Hello everybody and welcome back to Crossing the Tape. This is episode two, where we're going to bring you a bit of a historical case rather than the 1950s newfangled business we handled in the last episode. <laughs> we invite you to sign the crime scene log and join us as we dig into some evidence from this Old West serial killer. I'm Brendan. And I'm Hillary. As always. And we'll never change. No. That we can promise you. <laughs> so we start off in New Mexico, 1866, near Fort Union. The Civil War had just wrapped up. Keep your opinions in your pocket. Uh, a group of Ute Native Americans had come to trade with the soldiers there at the fort. <clears throat> and they offered the soldiers some rocks that they recognized contained a lot of copper ore. So they struck a deal to be shown, the soldiers, to be shown where these rocks came from. And the Ute people led them to a little area, what we now know, northern New Mexico, between Eagle's Nest and Red River. A little area that developed quickly into a mining town named Elizabethtown, or nicknamed E-Town. It was actually the first incorporated village in the history of New Mexico. Interesting. Yes. What uh, large city is it near? Uh, it is not far from Taos, of course, being up in that area. Angel Fire, Red River, Eagle's Nest. But at that point, the main... I guess the main industry would be mining in Elizabethtown and then mm -hmm. Taos nearby growing into a proper city. <clears throat> so over the next few years, as everything grew and the mining picked up speed, there were campfire stories and those Old West legends about people who travel to Elizabethtown but they never go back home. And a lot of that was just chalked up to, well, the miners are going to move wherever the mining work is best. But it turns out there's a bit more truth to that. That once you go Elizabethtown, you never go back. <laughs> just before the mining boom there, a fella named Charles Kennedy, he settled in the area. And in between Taos and Elizabethtown, he was just about the midpoint. He and his wife Rose, who was a Ute woman also, had a child who at the time was three years old. And they decided to take advantage of all the traveling and they opened up a little rest stop where people could stop in, have a drink, stay for the night because it was about 18 miles to Elizabethtown and like 15 or so to Taos. Mm-hmm. And according to the internet, <laughs> it takes a horse about eight hours, roughly, to travel 30 miles, depending on the terrain. Now, I'm not an equestrian man myself, but that's probably a long journey. Yeah, and I, you know, looking up that area of the country, uh, the terrain's a little bit rocky, yeah. mountainous, it's very mountainous. Um, I could see that being a challenge on horseback. Yeah. 
You might need some rest, horse too. Now what would take us 20 minutes in the car? That was a day there, a day back. So they had their rest stop where they would welcome their guests. Well, Elizabethtown was booming. And in the fall of 1870, Mrs. Kennedy arose, came bursting into the John Pearson Saloon, She's frantic, crying, bleeding, she'd been beaten, and she's exhausted from traveling so far. And when she was finally able to gather herself, she told the people in the bar, or the saloon, this terrible story about murder and burned bodies and remains. And that kind of whipped the bargoers into a posse decided it was time for action and they were led by local gunfighting legend Clay Allison as well as Davy Davy Crockett's nephew who was also named Davy but what was uh, Allison's nickname there he was uh, the gentleman gunfighter ah the gentleman yes because uh, he would like to ride through town nude challenging the entire town to a gunfight as he stood naked upon his horse. Hmm. Like a true Old West gentleman. Ah. (laughs) Before we go deep into what happened and why Rose is in such a state, what do you make of the Old West and its, well, I mean, maybe even the modern West? (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, the opportunities that it presents for serial killers. Well, especially back then, I'd say... Far less populated is the most obvious. And in the West and Southwest, even now, several towns across states are an hour apart in the car. Yeah. So back then... Days. Days. We're talking days. So if something happened in one area and say there's no local authority or very little, you'd have to travel a day and a half to go report something. Mm-hmm. And by then... Evidence is gone, trail's gone, the person's gone. Um, So I think for serial killers back then, it probably was the perfect opportunity because it's remote, there's less population. There's no... The technology is, of course, pretty much non-existent. Right. No fingerprints, no DNA, nothing like that. Terrain was... Hiding places. ...was far different than the east coast or the west coast even at that time Mm -hmm. so you've got lots of hiding spots and plenty of areas to hide yourself or what you did right and that probably was you know could have been potentially a big heyday for serial killers right there's a reason we have the stories like you know billy the kid and Mm -hmm. all his compadres all these local bandits hiding out in the hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause you're not gonna, you're not likely to just stumble across, especially, you know, even the law back then. Right. Deputies yeah. and posses and the sheriff getting people together. There's so much vastness and caves and cliffs and it, mm-hmm. just tons of ways to hide. Right. Not only yourself, but bodies. Mm-hmm. Any, any signs that there was. Someone came along this trail and got 
shot and, or right. captured or whatever. Well, and we're talking about serial killers, so as far as I know, there aren't that many that we know of from the West. Right, and, and there probably were a few. There probably <laughs> were, but we won't we know about know. them. Because, you know, there's a difference between a serial killer and just a general homicide. Right. And there's, like we said, the, the stories circulating of, well, some people, they leave for Elizabethtown and... Mm-hmm. They disappear. They're just never seen again. Yeah, and, and it's easy to chalk that up to miners going off for better work or trappers and hunters that, well, they go, they follow where they're able to work. Mm-hmm. So if it's not particularly hospitable for that line of work in the area, they'll just go elsewhere. And right. maybe they never do go back you know, wherever home was mm-hmm. before they started started out on their journey so it's easy to blame it on that too maybe the guys at the bottom of a cave you know cut up in bits maybe he's you know two states away working you know making plenty Mm -hmm. of money or they're lost yeah (laughs) right there's that too i have a hard enough time with a gps and sometimes my lefts are right and vice versa so just being out in the middle of nothing on a horse at an intersection of trails. And mountain areas are very disorienting as yes. far as as far as direction. I mean, even the sunlight, you know, setting and rising is still a little bit confusing just because of the way the train is. Yeah. It's a little bit um it's a little challenging to figure out exactly where you are without a compass. Mm-hmm even looking at sun direction so dis- disorientation is easy in mountainous areas yeah i've helped looked for lost hikers and almost ended up lost myself and if it's after dark in a wooded area good luck five miles feels like 10 yeah <clears throat> a half mile feels like seven right <laughs> so rose is in the saloon Everybody's waiting with bated breath to hear what on earth could have happened to this poor woman. And who she's talking about. Right. So she explains to the people, her husband Charles, he's an abusive, drunken monster. And he's got such a violent temper, he would kill for no reason more than just making him a little upset. And Rose and Charles, before settling near Elizabethtown... They actually had three children, but he had killed the older two. And he threatened to kill the youngest if Rose ever told anyone about the things that he was doing at their rest stop. Uh, But unfortunately, she didn't have anything more to lose, so she decided to come get help. Mm -hmm. So if you can read between the lines there, something terrible happened. Uh, since 1865, as Elizabethtown grew, and Taos as well, more and more people were coming to stop in at the Kennedys, and Charles would frequently murder and rob the guests, either shooting them or striking them with an axe. In their sleep? <clears throat> yes, often in their sleep. And he would dispose of the bodies either by burial or burning, and he would keep their belongings. So... Horses, money, 
any supplies they might have. He kept that all for himself. Which may raise the question of a financial motive for the murders. Yeah, but um, as far as my research produced, what I saw was that he didn't spend any money. Um, So it's alleged that a lot of that money is still buried in those mountains. Um, But for some reason, he didn't spend a dime. And back then, I don't see how that would be traceable. So He may have been worried that would raise suspicion. Right. But you know, word got around that you know, he's just bought all this new stuff. But they had a business. Right. I think it's chalk it up to business is great. Yeah. He's spending big money in the slow season. Where's he getting that from? Right. But at the same time, if you know, he he's running out of ammo for his gun, mm-hmm. he's planning on going hunting and getting food for the family and guests, well, just kill the next guy that comes through. He's probably got a gun on him. So a lot of what they needed that he would have spent money on, he's probably just picking it up from the -hmm. people that he's killing. So he didn't really need the money, but he's not going to not take it. Right, which still puts into question what motive is. Yes. However, maybe that was part of it, just his temper and necessity of items. They need food. This guy Mm -hmm. brought, you know, a bag of whatever Mm -hmm. goods he's got. But... It seems like he was an organized killer of sorts, since you know, that was his M.O. He'd kill them in their sleep. Right. Then he would steal their their belongings. You know, so organized to an extent with most of his killings, which would be much more of a serial killer characteristic. Right. And of course, there's some. I mean, it's been so long, and most of this information comes from what Rose told these people and enough time has passed and there's been enough of a game of telephone there's a few different accounts of exactly how things went down Mm -hmm. Uh, but I saw repeatedly there's some dispute on exactly when it happened but at least on one occasion uh, people I assume law enforcement were looking for a missing person Yeah, and most of the accounts I saw, the person was out of Taos. Yes. They were well-known, and it's still a little speculative, but I saw that in several places. Uh, That they were looking for this particular notable person who was well-known in Taos, and when they came looking around Charles's place, they found the guy's, uh, I believe his mule and all his belongings, and when they asked Charles about it, he said, well, I just found them abandoned and brought them back home because mm-hmm. you know why not who wouldn't pick up you know, such valuable property right. and take it for themselves and he said he thinks he thought that that guy must have been attacked by apaches which wasn't uncommon at the time that you know some travelers would be preyed upon by apaches looking for right you know whatever supplies they could get off the person but then in hindsight well he's got the guy's horse and all his luggage and everything or his mules yeah everything the guy had on his travels charles had so if the guy was attacked and murdered by apaches those would have been taken right all that would have been gone back then apaches didn't like mules 
that was something that they stayed away from. I don't know why, but that that came up in my research. So that was another um, fact that could disprove that that's what happened. Right. That it was that more pointed have, to Charles. That they wouldn't have attacked this guy if that's what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. And if that is what they were looking for, why did they just kill the guy and go, eh, we don't need any of that. Right. That would There'd be no point to that. So, but unfortunately, his weak story held up, and yeah. he was never asked again. Yeah, it held up enough, at least, to get by with that mm-hmm. one. And by that point, who knew how many other missing people had been murdered at the hands of Charles Kennedy. Mm-hmm. But he was cleared on the one time that he was investigated. Somebody bought his story, and that was enough for him to keep going. So on the night that Rose had burst into the saloon, they had a uh, a businessman also from Taos, and I think that's where the the confusion came from. Possibly some of the stories referred to this guy as the person the deputies were looking for. I think there's just a mix up there. I'm sure he killed more than one person from Taos, as we oh, yeah. learn later. There were enough people that I bet two yeah. of them were from Taos at least. Yeah, we'll get we'll we'll give you that number later. Uh, so this f- businessman, he joined them for a rest. He was staying in for the night and sitting at the dinner table with them. And he happened to ask, "Hey, have there been any, any Apaches in the area lately that I need to be aware of?" And <laughs> Rose and Charles Child, now nine years old. Uh, Asked the businessman, well, can't you smell the Apache that Papa put under the floor earlier? Mm-hmm. Indicating also that Charles was, you know, any people who would stay with him, Apaches that he found right. in the area. He didn't have a type. He was going after If you were someone anybody. he could get his hands on, that was his type. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was anyone he could get close enough to kill. And so when Charles heard heard the son say that, he completely lost it. In these days, like we said, the benefit of the Old West is the desolate areas and the low populations. Every person you run into is another chance to get caught. Mm -hmm. So the less people you see, the greater chance you have of keeping your secret. Especially when you're putting time between killings enough time people forget about that person or everything's mm-hmm. cleaned up and there's nothing nothing for anybody to see so now that the son spilled the secret he Charles shot the businessman immediately mm-hmm. in an absolute rage he grabbed his son his only remaining child and bashed his head in against the fireplace mm-hmm. which is th- another level of Rage. Yeah. And insanity. And with serial killers, what we see... I mean, when you start... Most are intelligent enough to know that killing close to home is a faster way to get caught. Right. Usually they're going to be outside their circle for what they're doing, but... Mm -hmm. I would say also most don't have this sort of explosive rage. No, they're usually more calculated. And they'll take out whatever anger or whatever's driving them to kill. They take it out on the one 
in single the victim. Yeah. In a quiet, more intimate setting. Right. So he murdered his son after murdering the businessman. Then he beat Rose, who's I'm sure hysterical at this point, locked her up in the house, and then drank himself unconscious. Mm-hmm. And once he was out, Rose managed to climb her way out the chimney and then run for help. Mm-hmm. And as she's telling the Allison and Crockett and the rest of the townsfolk this story, she said there's the remains of at least 20 men on the property. Mm-hmm. And we found out just from most of the research that there's no actual total of how many Kennedy killed, but it could be anywhere from 15 to 100. Right, there's, I mean, I'm sure record-keeping at the time was a bit different than today. Well, they came from somewhere else. Right. So, who knows how many there. We know the two children. Right, they didn't, (laughs) they didn't sign the crime scene log. Right. The victim never does. So there's estimates of up to a hundred miners, trappers, Mm -hmm. travelers, vagrants, going missing at the time and of course right around Kennedy's area so with that in mind Allison Crockett and the rest of the gang rode down to the Kennedy residence where they found they entered and found in the fireplace some charred bones indicating somebody was burned there Mm mm-hmm It doesn't explain, from all the research that I've checked out, I couldn't find if there was an explanation. Did he clean up the scene? I mean, that had to be a god-awful bloody mess. I I didn't see that either. Um, And I did see something indicating the child and the businessman were both, their bodies were thrown in the cellar. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did read that as well. So I'm assuming the bones in the fireplace were someone else's, but as busy as he was, I'm sure there was, there was always more, more bodies to burn. Mm-hmm. But Charles was still pretty drunk, so it wasn't much of a challenge for them to wrap him up and take him to Elizabethtown so that he would face his crimes in court, as is the good old-fashioned American way. But unfortunately, the judge at the time declined to take immediate action because it was impossible to tell if the bones were human. Right. Nowadays, that wouldn't be much of a challenge. No, but uh, back then, yeah. they, didn't have, they didn't have the knowledge that we do now. In 1870, they were still a few years off from that yeah. sort of technology. Well, especially out in the West. You know, it's... It was civilized to an extent, but only as much as it could be. It wasn't like bigger cities in the East that already had universities and you know, public buildings. It, they they were behind the times. Right, perhaps. Because a, they couldn't help it. A learned doctor or professor could have helped with that. but Possibly. At the time, there wasn't quite as much that level in the West. Especially in an old mining town. Right. 
yeah, a small settlement. And we have to remember, too, the bones had been burned. Mm-hmm. So they may have lost some of their shape, even if you were to hold them up to a, you yeah. know, a, a model skeleton yeah. and try to point out, well, this is clearly a human femur. The shape that they were in, you could really tell nothing more than just they were bones. But justice wasn't done yet. And a former guest came to, went before the judge and testified, well, I did see Kennedy shoot a man in his sleep, another guest who was there for an overnight stay, which resulted in this witness grabbing his things and riding away. Before, him. <laughs> yeah, before he was next. So they've got eyewitness testimony from a, another guest. They've got Rose's account of everything that had happened, and not just that night, but for years leading up to they have some kind of bones in the fireplace. Yeah, but the bones are enough of a maybe that the judge decides, all right, well, this case is going to have to go before a grand jury. Uh, have you had to testify at a grand jury? I don't believe it's a grand jury. I know you've, you've been <laughs> at trials and right. the expert. True. I don't believe it was a grand jury, though. So a grand jury... They're still used today. Um, pretty common in my work. What it is is instead of having to prove beyond a reasonable doubt a person's guilt, all it is is essentially a probable cause finding. Uh, so the officer, or detective, or whoever will go before a jury in which the prosecutor will ask very basic questions establishing yes you did respond to this incident and you did gather this information and that that information is enough to bring someone to a proper jury trial to stand trial for what they've been charged with and if the grand jury decides no that's not really enough evidence to even accuse someone then the charges are dropped there Mm. Uh, so In this case, I'm guessing everything that the gang, the posse, had gathered, plus the witness and maybe Rose, they were all set to explain everything that indicated Charles was this lunatic murderer. But Charles, and maybe this is where some of the money went, (laughs) um, it said he had a lawyer. Yeah. And the lawyer, the people were concerned not only with corrupt judges of the time possibly being paid off but that this lawyer might be trying to sway some of the grand jury members with a little bit of cash hmm. essentially to make all this go away which I mean who would know <laughs> again especially back then the evidence no one's, wasn't super super strong no but, one's gonna really know unless it's seen and but that's still Hearsay. He said, she said, I saw them be paid. I saw him kill a guy. Well, where's that guy's body? Who knows? It's been months or years. It's all very subjective, circumstantial. buried somewhere out in the West or burned and there's nothing left. So, yeah, there's no no forensic evidence, to be sure. No. There's bones, but if you ask him, he'd probably say, well, I killed a deer and it's just burning up what was left after we ate it. 
So, because of the concerns of the town folk, uh, they decided they were going to go the other route. <laughs> the true Old West route. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, explain to us, in no uncertain terms, what exactly <laughs> happened to Charles Kennedy before well, his grand jury appearance? He was in jail and awaiting his appearance. <laughs> And, as you said, the posse wanted to take matters into their own hands in the true West fashion. And they broke into the jail and removed him from the jail. Not to liberate him. No, not to liberate him. To take care of business themselves. To eliminate him. True. And they ended up um, hanging him. And actually his gravestone says something along the lines of, was hung, you know, hanged by the hands of his own peers or something, something to that effect. That's his, that's his epitaph uh, on his gravestone. Not noble business owner. No. Was was hanged by his, uh, his... I think it said captors. I think so. Which, I mean, yeah, they they were captors, but... Brought justice. Some would say they were... Doing the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he was... There's there's some speculation, too, about what happened to his body. Yeah, there's conflicting accounts. Again, one thing I saw, he was hung in a barn. Mm-hmm. Another that he was had a rope tied around his neck and was dragged behind a horse until he was dead. Lynched, yeah. And then I saw something about his head was removed in one way or another. Yeah, either and, by uh, knife or that the hanging didn't go quite as planned and his head was removeth. Well, went better. <laughs> it went better than they could have hoped. <laughs> but with those accounts, I don't know if they're real or not true, but something said his head was removed and placed on a stake outside that saloon. Yeah, that it was on display but for a while. I, but more... More accounts than not, I read that that's, that's just myth, that's legend. Yeah, I think the more historically accepted version of events was just that he was hanged there and his body eventually buried. Yeah. With that miserable epitaph. <laughs> the gravestone's sad, too. Yeah. Like it's Old carved piece of wood. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Here he lies, like he it's was hanged. Thrown like it got thrown off a truck. They just dumped it there, probably spit Horse on it. Horse bucked and it went flying. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, so where it landed. <laughs> you mentioned there's also allegedly his uh, all his riches taken from these poor souls are still out there. But I would bet they're... That's probably like a cursed artifact now if you yeah. find all that. If you found that, I wouldn't... I don't I think would, I'd want to touch mm-hmm. it. Don't open that box. Don't open that box. Dirty old money, like... That'd be my from, first... From a hundred dead men? Yeah. That's no. gotta have bad vibes. Uh, and then in 1887, what became of our dear uh, Clay Allison? Oh, yes. The gentleman gunfighter. Nude or clothed, he will fight. <laughs> he uh, was actually... Made some history, other history himself, uh, being the victim of one of the first documented um, driving while intoxicated accident. He, of his own doing, he did, he uh, 
accomplished that historical feature and it's alleged and I wouldn't say alleged it's been documented several places I think the only thing that's not always reported with his is whether or not he was drunk but but it's it sounds like he was probably uh, a loser yeah. probably, it, it's more often than not that's He's a safe assumption um, he was in Pecos Texas and he I don't know if he, he I don't, was riding in a carriage he was in a carriage with his horse but I don't know if he hit a rock or if he I didn't see exactly. His drunkenness fell from the whole, from the carriage. Yeah, whatever happened, he fell and broke his own neck when the wheel went ran over him. The carriage rolled over his own neck, and that was the end of the gentleman. Right. So, he didn't really go out in a gentlemanly fashion, but he did make history. Now we talked about the, the bad juju surrounding the treasure. Perhaps Allison found the treasure, <laughs> and it was the ghost of Charles Kennedy that came for his neck. <laughs> But that's ridiculous. Yeah, just a little bit. (laughs) And then in 1903, a large fire wiped out what was left of Elizabethtown, which by then was already dwindling and drying up. And the last residents packed up their stuff and moved further west, I'd assume, for more prosperity. Mm -hmm. Or probably into larger areas, because getting into more industrious times there in the early 1900s. Uh, but some of the remains of the town, mainly one hotel, the, some of the walls still stand today, and you can go visit. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't stop at any suspicious rest stops in the area. No, I think I'd stay away from that. I think that's everything I have on the uh, famed New Mexico serial killer Charles Kennedy. Yeah. A wild story. It is. I hadn't heard of that, but apparently there's much fame and legend about it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you read the story, it happened one of like five different ways. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those. Maybe it was 14 people, maybe 20, maybe 100. Right. It's one of those Old West stories. You don't know exactly what happened, but you deduce certain things and pick out the facts you do know. There's enough indication that he was a bit of an opportunistic type Mm -hmm. and he set up his rest stop in the middle of nowhere between two nowhere towns true because he knew people would come passing through not too many right not at a time at least but enough enough that he could have a steady stream of murdering and robbing as he pleased and essentially holding his wife and child captive because they knew what would happen if mm-hmm. they ever let anything slip. Which is the manipulation there involved in that. And we talked a bit about people being manipulated in our last episode. Mm-hmm. But the fear that comes with... Well, if you, know, you could have five strangers a week in your mm-hmm. home. None the wiser that you could try to ask for help. Right. But out of fear... She never would because of what he was willing to do and and what she already knew he would do to their other children. And she probably stayed because where is she going to go in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, and that's one of the things I wanted to find more on, but I couldn't find any information about what came... What happened to her? Yeah, of Rose Kennedy after she let all that slip and Charles was murdered. Was she run out of town for being complicit in it? Or did she just go back to running the rest stop on her own? 
I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd want to spend much time back uh, there. No. Especially not in the cellar. No. But I think that brings us to the end of episode two. Yeah. All I think about so. Charles Kennedy, unrelated to the Kennedys. True. We assume. <laughs> but there is that curse. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, signing off, I'm Brendan. And I'm Hillary. So long, and safe travels. Stay safe.